Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of the Up, Up Level Your Career with Justin and Jerome podcast. Um, as you might know, if you listen to our first episode, we record this uh, podcast from our homes. Um, I live in Palm Springs, California, and Judson is in Incline Village, Nevada. And so we're not recording in the studio. We're recording in our home, so you're, going, you're likely to hear uh, the background noise of a, a neighborhood, um, home sounds. <laughs> um, but our, our goal with the podcast is really just to share valuable content that can help you in your career search, whether you're looking for uh, a new opportunity, maybe you're unemployed and you're looking for something new, or you are um, in career transition, you're ready to, to take the next step in your career and sort of trying to discern what that might be and uh, develop a strategy to move forward with that. So hopefully this, the content is valuable and uh, will be thought-provoking and give you a place to start. Um, as I said, I'm Jerome. I am a career coach and resume writer. I started my practice in 2009. It's called the Resume Shop, Inc. And I work with uh, job seekers and career changers uh, who are looking for an edge in the marketplace. Justin, do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners? Certainly, Jerome. Thank you so much. Good afternoon. My name is Judson Walsh, and I, too, am a career coach. I started career coaching about 10 years ago, functionally, while I was at the San Francisco Business Times, and I learned that information and people were the two keys to a successful job search. And that is the premise in which I build my practice called Career Path Strategies. And we are here today to help you through a transition or to help you identify your next opportunity. And much of this is, is based on assessment, what you want and what you need. And from last week, where we left off um, was assessing interests. We had not quite come to that yet, so Jerome's going to take it from here in terms of how to best determine what a good next step for you will be. Jerome? Great. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. So last week we talked a lot about sort of the practical side of the career search, thinking about what your career needs might be in terms of the, the type of money you need to make, the location you'd want to work in, um, the type of company. Um, Judson shared his very clever C list, which uh, stands for culture, and then the list part is location, industry, size, and type of company. And so if you haven't listened to that podcast, you can go back and, and listen to that. But there was a lot of kind of practical information uh, sort of the things that are a little bit more black and white in terms of career search. And today what I want to talk about initially is assessing your interests. And this might be a little bit more out of the box in some ways. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning of this call, I'm a career coach. And one of the things that I really love about career coaching is sitting with a client who is in career transition and maybe has no idea what they want to do next. And it can be a little bit frightening uh, but I also think it's a really wonderful place to be because I always tell my client, at this point, the sky is the limit, and you get to define where you want to go. You get to decide. And one of the things that I often challenge them to do is just to think about what organically makes sense for them. Like, what are their passions? What are their interests? Because sometimes something we do just for fun as a hobby can be 
uh, sort of flipped and become a great career opportunity. Uh, oh, and it's also just a really great way to start. So, for instance, if I am talking with a client and they love food, um, maybe they're a foodie and they, you know, they like to try new restaurants and they like to cook, um, and maybe they're not really interested in, you know, being a chef or going to, to culinary school, maybe that is an, opportunity, an option for them. But, but um, you know, maybe the obvious thing, like being a, a chef or a cook, isn't really what they want to do. So then I would say to them, okay, let's look at companies that work in the industry. Um, for instance, uh, in San Francisco, there's a company, um, I believe they're based in San Francisco, called Open Table. And they are the, the company that does reservations online for different restaurants. And so maybe this person has a marketing background, but they love food. So a natural uh, idea for them would be to look at what's available at Open Table. Maybe you could work with marketing. Maybe you could uh, be a salesperson with them and go to the restaurants and um, introduce the, the application to different restaurants. Um, so for me, um, I, I think it's really just about casting a really wide net and looking at all of the things in our lives that just sort of that we no normally would gravitate toward. Um, if you have an interest in fashion, you know, um, maybe there are um, opportunities in that industry. Maybe you love um, you love cars and you don't want to be a mechanic, but maybe you could work um, for an auto dealer and um, as a salesperson, or maybe you work in their finance department, um, you know, looking at your skill set, but then looking at also the, the things that you just naturally would gravitate towards so that you're working in an environment that's exciting and fun because it's something you love to do. Um, one of my very first jobs um, when I was a college student was working in a bookstore. I was an English major and, um, and so I loved to read. So it was just natural for me to work in a bookstore. And that didn't become my career path, but it could very easily could have um, had I stayed with it. You know, um, I, by the time I left, I was an assistant manager. Um, and they were talking to me about managing a store. Um, and from management, of course, I could have gone into being a district manager, regional manager. That wasn't my path. But, um, but again, you know, I was in a world that I loved because I loved to read. I loved to talk to other people about books. So it was just a natural kind of progression for me. Do you have anything to share about that, Judson? Yeah, I think it's really important as, to, as you attempt to align your passions with your profession, to really just ask these questions here. Because this would be the ideal scenario for some of our listeners, I'm sure. How can I do what I love? And I think asking the question is the first step here. And there are many opportunities within this context. So if you've given up hope or you're thinking, oh, I can't make a living at that, don't be so quick to do that because sometimes it's just learning what's out there and making the right connections with the right people. And it might be one of those opportunities that, starts as a part-time opportunity, and maybe it's even a volunteer thing to get your foot in the door, but don't give up on your dream because it's there and you've been given certain gifts and to become that person with the gifts that you've been given, uh, for, for some of you, may be very, very important to life 
fulfillment and satisfaction. So do ask the questions because there are many, many opportunities out there. Right. So um, one of the uh, career coaches and sort of um, uh, gurus in this this career uh, services um, industry that I have followed for some time is a woman by the name of Tori Johnson. And Tori works typically with women, that's sort of her, her niche uh, market, but she does a conference every year called the Spark and Hustle Conference. And one of the things that Tori has told all of her, her followers is that um, each of us should have a side hustle. Um, uh, and that might be, um, you know, a hobby that you've monetized in some way. And what she talks about with the side hustle was making the side hustle something that could become a full-time job if, if necessary. And um, so as, as you're in this career transition, you know, it's sort of interesting to think about, you know, what that side hustle might be. Um, and for me, it was, you know, when I was working in staffing, I was writing resumes on the side um, to make ed- extra cash if we were going on vacation to Europe, you know, for 10 days and I wanted a- extra spending money. I would uh, post an ad on Craigslist at the time and write, a few resumes um, and, and make that extra cash, you know, did it at Christmas time or whenever I kind of felt like I wanted the extra money. And ultimately that side hustle became my career um, and I was self-employed. Right. And so that's also maybe an option for some people. Um, but uh, you know, as, as Justin was saying, you know, really sitting down and saying, how can I, how can I do what I love? And um, you know, I think it's just a really great, um, a great jumping off point. Um, and then in terms of thinking ab- about passion and life purpose, I think it's important to, to talk about a little bit about um, how, how we can make our careers align with our, our life purpose and our passion when that's possible. Um, my first career was as an educator. I was a teacher and um, and at that time, I felt like my, um, my career was also my vocation. It was what I was called to do. And I was lucky enough to make a living doing something that really fed my heart and soul. Um, and then I worked in staffing, and now I'm um, a career coach and a resume writer. And I still feel like I'm feeding that altruistic side of myself, um, but there have been times in my life, for instance, when I was working at the bookstore, um, I knew that that wasn't going to be um, the job that I would have forever. Um, and there was a time when I was, after I left my teaching job, I did that for a short time um, while I was um, looking for, for new opportunities and deciding where I would land and ultimately relocated. But, um, but I worked, uh, you know, full time at the, at the bookstore, but I fed my heart and soul and my passion by giving piano lessons on the side, doing music and theater and things I love to do so that I felt like I was sort of having the best of both worlds. And so I think in this career search, ultimately at the end of the day, we want to be happy. And, and so there's also that, that possibility that what you do for a living might just be something that's 
um, important for you to do in order for you to, to, to pay your bills, to support your lifestyle, but it also gives you an opportunity to maybe do something else that to volunteer or to um, maybe you want to write a novel or to work on something on the side. That's really the passion project. So, and I think that those things are important to consider as you're making a career shift so that you're not, so that you're feeling like your life has purpose and meaning and that there's a good balance. Um, I often talk with my clients who are sort of at that crossroads and trying to figure out what they want to do. And maybe they've just left a position that they worked in for a long time and they were good at it. And it was, a, uh, it met some needs in terms of uh, finances, but it just left them drained. It didn't really feed their soul. And so to sit down, I sit down with them and I say, you know, what, what will ultimately make you happy? What are the things that you really need in your life to feel like you're fulfilled as a person? And to what extent can the career support that? Um, and maybe the job doesn't necessarily feed the, that your heart and soul, but it gives you opportunity to, to pursue what does. And so um, it's, I think one of the things that I try to, to um to do with my clients is to give them permission uh, to have both. Does that make sense, Justin? Maybe you can help clarify a bit. Yeah. No, absolutely it does. And, and I would also add that, you know, sometimes from where you are, you don't see the path or at least a clear path. But I use the analogy of being on a freeway and you may be traveling along the freeway and you don't see really where the road is going, maybe because you're going up a hill, but then you come up the hill and suddenly now you see a, a different vista and perhaps even a different on-ramp or off-ramp. And the reason that you are now able to see it is because of the motion and the activity that you've created. So don't be afraid to step out in order to find out. In fact, that's kind of the only way you can sometimes. So be willing to put yourself out there and say, okay, I, I know that I don't know exactly where this is going, but I know it's at least in the right direction. And I think giving yourself permission to do that as well, to say, okay, the unknown, it is scary, but that's, that's how you get someplace you've never been. So um, Absolutely. you yeah. think about... As you think about what we're talking about here, um, just go for it. I mean, don't do anything foolish, of course, and make sure that you're able to pay your bills and, and you know, be financially responsible. But at the same time, you know, life is yours, uh, and we only get one shot. So give it your best shot. Right, and I think that's brilliant because sometimes, as you were saying, that, that just being in motion is um, – is so important uh, because um, on some level, just I, I I kind of feel like when you have an idea of what you want to do, and maybe you don't know how to get there, but it's it's like your heart's desire to do something, something in particular. You know what that is, and then you start just to move, 
in some direction. The universe, um, the, the writer Goethe said, at the moment of commitment, the universe conspires to assist you. And so, as you were sort of alluding to, to, to Judson, you get into motion and then a door will open. Like, for instance, I had a, I had a friend who um, was laid off from a position and she wasn't sure what she wanted to do. And it was um, Christmas time. So she took a job at Macy's and, um, and it kept her busy and it kept her engaged with people. And because she was sort of in that movement and didn't allow herself to be depressed, um, she, things just started happening. She found out about opportunities in California and she decided to move. And she came out to California, uh, took one job that wasn't really what she wanted to do, um, but continued to build her network while she was out here. And, and one of her networking partners said, I think you'd be good at sales. She never even thought about doing sales, wasn't on her radar at all. But she thought, I'll give it a shot. And she did. And she found out she was a natural at it. She loves it. And within like three months, she was the top performer at the, com at the company, just because she had this natural ability with people. And had she not sort of started in motion and networked, she would have never met someone, you know, this person who said, what about sales? You know? Um, so I, I to your point, uh, Justin, just sort of moving in and seeing what is before you is awesome. Yeah. Um, well, and I love analogies. And, and another one that I um, thought about here just recently, I was, I was going into the grocery store, and I had to stop short of the door because I was waiting for my wife to come in to catch up with me, and the door hadn't opened yet. But when I took a step toward the door because of the motion sensor, that's when the door uh -huh. opened. So it's that right. motion and that activity, you know, and, and, and back in the old days when they had the pressure pads, you would actually physically step on the pad and then the door would open. That's, right. that's a great analogy of, you know, you got to take that step and then the universe right. does respond and then the doors open literally in this case. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I don't think I'll ever walk through a super, supermarket store without thinking about that. <laughs> Again, yeah, which is great, oh, good, right? It's, <laughs> yeah. Um, so aside from interest, um, it's also important to, um, to think about your skill set. And one of the exercises I have my clients do is to sit down with pen and paper and write down as many of the skills that they have as possible. And I, you know, there's sort of two uh, main buckets of skills. We talk about soft skills, which are things like your communication ability, your positive attitude, um, problem solving, um, you know, some of those, those skills that aren't necessarily technical skills. And then we talk about technical or hard skills, like accounting ability, um, managing cash. And, um, and sometimes it's difficult to come up with, you know, a list of skills, but I, I really challenge my clients to do, to start from their own organic space to make a list of skills. And I'll say, think about what you do every day. You know, I answer emails. Okay. So writing communication, right. Um, I, you know, answer 
customer questions. Okay, customer service, right? So like make a list of all of the things that you do on a day-to-day basis, what you do weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually. You know, are you, are you generating reports? Are you analyzing data? Um, you know, accounting abilities. So are you working in marketing? Okay, what are the marketing skills you're, you're working on? You know, the campaign management, is the digital marketing, is SEO, search engine optimization. Uh, you know, make that list of the skills. And um, so I have all my clients make the list. And then I ask them to go through and rate them on a scale of one to five based on how much they enjoy doing them. And one to five on how, at how good they are, right? Um, so it might be that you have a five um, on managing compliance. You're really good at managing compliance. That's the level. You're at level five there, but interest level is two. So that's something to look at in terms of your career choices. You know, maybe it's something you're really good at, but not something you want to do every day. In high school, I was really, really good at math. Um, I took all of the upper level math courses just because I got tracked into them because I was a good student but I would hate to work with numbers, not my cup of tea. Good at it, not what I wanna do, right? So thinking about that is important. So you make your list of skills, and then I would suggest you go online and find a list, an exhaustive list of skills and go through and find anything that's on that list that maybe you didn't put on your, on your, own, your, your own skills list. And this skills right. list then becomes a jumping off point for positions that you maybe haven't thought about. So, and you can even do Google searches on um, job description and a particular skill set, like job description, search engine optimization, and get a list of you know job descriptions that require that. And maybe there's some opportunities that you haven't thought about. Um, in the in the book, what colors your parachute? There's also a very good list. Um, I think it's in every edition that they've published. Um, a good list of transferable skills, which are those skills that are transferable from one career path to another. Judson, comment. Yeah, well, I think that the uh, that book is obviously a, a, a time-tested book, and I would encourage everybody to look at it. Um, check it out at the library or go purchase it, but the flower exercise is very helpful as well. So note that what I was going to add to what you were saying, Jerome, is in terms of doing a skills inventory, I would come up with that list, but then also connect with a person or two or three who you're really close with to see how they would assess you in these skills. Because sometimes we don't see our own skills or we think, oh, well, that's not really a skill. Everybody has that. And that's not necessarily true. So, you know, to get that input and insight from people who know you best, do reach out to them because they may come up with something that you didn't even think of, sort of like your example earlier, Jerome, of, of the woman who, whom it was suggested sales. And I was like, I never thought of that. So, you know, how others see us and how we see ourselves are sometimes very different. So throw it out to those who are close to you. And it, for some, it could be an opportunity to reconnect with a long-lost friend, um, or it could be just an opportunity 
to continue and nurture that relationship that you already have. Excellent. And I was just remembering, Judson, that when I read the 2010 edition of What Colors Your Parachute, there was actually, um, and I'm coming through it right now, and I, of course, can't put my hands on it. I'll put it in the podcast notes if I can find it. There was actually a website that allowed you to send out sort of an assessment like you're mentioning to your contacts and they would actually complete it for you. And then you would get feedback um, returned to you about what your skills were, your strengths were. Um, And I I remember reading about it. I I didn't actually use it, so I don't know how good it is, but uh, just for the listeners to know that there are tools like that that are available, um, which is nice because then you don't have to sort of reinvent the wheel. And also it gives um, sort of a container in which to, con- to, for this to exist, right? So that you're not just asking the people to come up with the things cold as well. Although that's also very good, right? So what people sort of got, got reaction know about you is, you know, I love organic feedback for sure. Yep. So you can ask for that, but then you can also ask um, uh, your, your friends and your colleagues to complete this tool as well. And so I'll try to find it in the, in the book and I'll put it in um, the uh, podcast notes. And we keep mentioning podcast notes. Um, and just so listeners know where to find those. If you're looking for information, you can always email us. Um, and our email address is um, uplevelcareers at gmail.com. But you can also... Um, Go to podbean.com, which is where this is hosted, and look for Up Level Your Career, and then you'll find each episode of the podcast there, and the podcast notes um, will be available there. Um, anything else to, t- to uh, touch on in terms of um, skills? No, I think we've pretty thoroughly covered it here. I know we have about 20 minutes left, and we have a fair amount to cover, so... I would okay. suggest that we just continue to move forward, uh, perhaps. perhaps into the so, formal assessments. Yeah, before we move there, just one, one more thing that you mentioned um, when we were preparing our outline, Judson, and that was for uh, job seekers to actually also look at the relevancy of their skills in the current marketplace. So we might have skills um, that are outdated, um, and so to assess that as well. And maybe if there's a particular, um, maybe you, you've used accounting software and you're really good at a particular accounting program, but now it's been updated or it's no longer being used. So to figure out what you need to do just to sort of upgrade your skills so that they're relevant in today's market. Do you have any comments on just that one last point? Well, obviously relevancy is very, very important. And I think what, what you'll want to note mentally or physically is as you go through job descriptions, what are the requirements, what are they saying the ideal candidate has? Because if you start seeing some patterns and you're thinking, oh, I don't have that, how obtainable are those skills? Now, you might not have to go back to a you know, university necessarily for a four-year degree, but there are certificates that you can get online and, and beyond and so just take a look at that because you're, you're making any steps you take in this direction, you're helping with your marketability. 
And so just yep. note the, the patterns and the trends of what is being required and would be ideal for your next job opportunity. Because some, some of it could be just a matter of you obtaining these skills and being able to put that on your resume and on your LinkedIn profile. So when, when, when people are looking for the skills that you have, they will surface. Right. And I have just one more thought related to skills. This just kind of jumped into my head right now. Um, I mentioned perhaps that I worked for a staffing agency for five years. And if you came to apply for um, employment through our agency, one of the things we would do is a skills assessment. And so we would put you on the computer and we had a, a, a wide range of assessments that we would um, use to assess different computer skills, your, your knowledge of like Microsoft Office products, but also customer service and different things. So if you're somebody who maybe wants to sort of assess some skills, I would say go to a, a staffing agency, uh, register. It's also a great place to find employment, but register for employment there um, and take their assessments and find out what, you know, what your skills are, you know, get a, a good sense of those. Um, and then the other piece of that was we also offer tutorials. So, for instance, if uh, somebody uh, needed to brush up their Excel skills, we would offer tutor tutorials so that they could learn how to do certain things in Excel that maybe they didn't know how to do. And those were available. And all of this, of course, was free. So take advantage of what's out there. Um, yep. So now let's move on to formal assessments. And um, we're just going to touch on this a little bit briefly, but there are a whole um, a, a plethora of, of formal assessments that will help you to identify lots of things, aptitude, um, your, your natural abilities in particular areas, um, your personality type, your core values, um, and all of this information can be very valuable um, as you are uh, doing your career search, and some employers actually will give you. Um, I know when I wor worked for my the staffing company, there was a personality assessment uh, that I took um, actually after I was hired, which was a little interesting uh, because I found out that I didn't really have the proper personality to work in that industry. Um, and the regional manager said, you know, you're doing really well. We love you. Um, but you know, you don't actually have the personality type that we would typically hire. So I thought that was kind of funny. So, so the, 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 the point here is to take these with a grain of salt. But what I like about them is sometimes they give you just very um, natural, um, organic, my favorite word, um, organic information about who you are that, you know, can, that you can bring forward in a job interview or, or um, as you're doing your career search. So one of the ones I use with my clients is called the, temp the Kersey Temperament Sorter, which is an abbreviated version of the Myers-Briggs Temperament or Type Indicator, the MBTI, Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. Um, the Kersey Thanks, Temperament uh, Sorter. Jerome, yes. can, can you spell Kersey for us? Yes. Yeah. So Kersey is K-E-I-R-S-E-Y. Um, so I, I believe his name is David Kersey wrote a book, um, he wrote a couple of books um, called um, Please Understand Me, and, and these books um, are deal with, uh, so it's Please Understand Me, Please Understand Me too. They deal with the Kirsty Temperament Disorder. 
based on the Myers-Briggs type indicator. And what it does, the Kiersey temperament sorter will give you a four-letter personality type, and it, it divides your person. It takes four types of information into consideration, and I'll just cover them very quickly. So you're either an extrovert or an introvert, and that, that scale is based on how you interact with other people. Extroverts tend to be energized by interaction with other people. Introverts tend to need time alone to be energized. Then the second scale is intuitive or sensor. This is how you take in information. An intuitive person takes in information based on their gut feeling um, and sort of their vibes. And a sensor takes in information via their senses. So an intuitive would walk into a room and have a gut feeling about how it feels. And a sensor would go in and under, they would know where all the doors and windows are. And they would be looking kind of at the physical layout rather than that intuitive feeling. The third scale is thinker or feeler. This is how you make decisions. A thinker makes decisions based on logic um, and empirical information. And a feeler makes decisions based on how they feel about something. Um, they tend to make decisions based on what will feel good and right and fair, whereas the thinker is going to be much more logical. And the last scale is judger or perceiver, and that um, identifies how you order your world. So a judger is very organized. Um, everything is you know, everything has a place and everything is in its place. Um, I'm a judger. My CD uh, collection is all alphabetized. Um, <laughs> so very orderly. I like to keep a very strict calendar. Perceivers tend to be really comfortable with things kind of um, open-ended. They don't necessarily need to have a definite plan. Um, they can sort of roll with the punches a little bit more. Um, so ultimately, then you have a four. Go ahead, Justin. Yeah, I was just going to say here, and you might be coming to this, but not to put you on the hot seat here, but in terms of these categories and once these are assessed and known, how does this help an individual select at least a direction or a career path? Yeah, yeah. So it's very interesting because that ultimately what you end up with is a four-letter um, four temperament type. So in my case, I'm an INFJ. Uh, which means I'm an introverted, intuitive, feeler, judger. And then based on that scale, you can do just a Google search and say career, career opportunities or career suggestions for an INFJ, and you'll get an entire list of, of um, types of career paths that are applicable for uh, your career type. And it's interesting because an INFJ, which is what I am, <laughs> Uh, there are things like teacher, which I was, pastor, um, which I have often thought called to ministry, counselor, which I do as a career coach. So they're very, very um, spot on. And what I also love about it is the the, the assessment will then get, just gives you just good language for describing yourself, um, you know, and what sort of motivates you. And um, like, for instance, as an introvert, um, I, I, it I don't avoid interaction with people. In fact, I love it. 
but I also like to work autonomously and I need a balance. So I would not be good in a role where I had to engage with people all day long. Right. So that to know that about myself is great. Um, you know, the intuitive side, you know, makes me very good at reading people, which was why I was a good, why I'm a good career coach. Um, because I sort of understand people on a, on a, a level that goes beyond just the, what's maybe, you know, um, very obvious. I, I can sort of get an intuitive feeling about things. Um, not in an airy fairy psychic sort of way, but just sort of like understanding, like there's a lot of empathy and being able to um, understand someone's circumstances and situation. And, and then there's that altruistic side of me that really wants to help them and give them practical help. Um, and so, the, you know, um, and when I've given it to my clients and we look at the list, without fail, there are um, always um, really, really great suggestions as far as what, uh, what careers these people uh, should be um, involved in. And it's always something that they're like, you know what, I thought about that. It's never been like, hmm, this is totally off base. And that's, I think, the test of any good assessment is that when you read it and you're like, wow, this describes me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk yeah, a little bit about the Gallup Strengths Finder? Well, I know that you're better versed in it than I am, so I'll let you lead I, and, and I'll, so, I'll add to it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I only know about the Gallup uh, Strengths Finder sort of on the periphery. Um, I've had clients who have taken the, the strengths finder and they sent me their assessments and I find them, um, the information very, very good in terms of helping my clients. Um, and also, um, you know, again, looking at particular career paths, but I don't, um, I've not actually used it. Um, so it's one of those things that's available and it's well known, um, in, um, in the industry, for lack of a better way of describing it, and a lot of employers will use it and give it to their um, to their teams. And so, um, if it's something of interest, I would just uh, ask, you know invite the listeners to do some research. All of these things are available um, online. There's also a disc um, assessment that I that I've taken, um, and so um, and I, I don't remember what that um, drivers. I can't remember what um, expressive. Yeah, so <laughs> there's there are lots of um, tools out there. So um, I would say look up the Gallup Strengths Finder. It's well known. Um, if you if you take that assessment and you're speaking about it with an employer, they will most certainly uh, be familiar with it. Uh, have you had clients who've done it as well, Judson? Um, not the Strength Finder. Um, I have not. Um, I just know that any assessment that you're going to take is going to give you some insight and it will, yep. some of it could be affirmation yep. and, and that's always yep. nice. And then as you mentioned um, earlier <clears throat> on the call with the Kiersey, when you get those results and then you plug that into a search engine, the results that come back could surprise you and it also may give you some additional ideas or thoughts on what else you could do. Because if you're struggling right. and you feel you've hit a crossroad, 
I don't know what I'm going to do or what I want to do, through the power of suggestion, you may run across something and you might think, you know, never thought about that. Or that could be fun. So right. I, would, yeah. I would encourage so, anybody to go through these assessments. And, there's, and, there, and that's, you mentioned a great word, fun. They are fun to do. Like um, I, the Enneagram is one I have just started becoming interested in. And what's interesting about the, the Enneagram is it's all self-assessed. So you can take tests. Um, but, but in most cases, what people will do is they'll read, it's actually nine different types and you have a number and you read sort of, and they're, they're grouped in, in different categories. And, um, and there's a, a really great podcast, um, that I've been listening to and I can't remember what it's called. Oh, I'll put it in, I'll put it in the notes. Uh, but as you're listening to this podcast, and uh, this the, the gentleman who leads the podcast is an expert in the Enneagram. And so I've been listening to it several, you know, several times and I'm like, okay, I'm a four. And, and the more you listen to it and it talks about how you interact with people and your, your own preferences, you just sort of, again, no, yep. I, I'm a four. Uh, yep. Oh wait, maybe I'm, nope. I'm a four. Uh, I thought for a minute I was a three, but really I'm a four. And, and so there's great books about this. And again, then you can go online and say Enneagram for career career choices, um, and it will it will give you some excellent um, excellent uh, suggestions. And again, um, they'll be spot on. And uh, and so um, my suggestion is, you know, if the Enneagram is interesting to you, um, which I think is fun because it's so there isn't necessarily. I have taken tests. There are lots of them. Um, and I always get about the same result, but there isn't like with the cut, the Kirsty temperament, there is a particular test you take, uh, with the Gallup strengths finder, there's a particular test you take with the Enneagram. It's a little bit more your own assessment. And so, um, so there isn't a particular specific test. There are lots of them, but, um, I would suggest taking a look at that. And then, um, I'll, I'll jump to the last one on our list, which is, is called the MAP, the Mo Motivational Appraisal of Personal Potential, MAPP, um, which is a very exhaustive report. So I took this a couple of years, oh, in 2012, and uh, the wealth of information I received was really, really awesome. Um, and I'll just very briefly tell you sort of what it measures. Uh, the first measure is your interest in job content. Um, so it sort of breaks down careers into types, like very great um, large types. And so one of the first things it says um, on my uh, assessment is Jerome is conscious of existence, meaning, purpose, potential, and destiny of humankind. Um, I prefer to associate with others socially. I'm motivated to manage people and activities. Um, I want to gain personal recognition. I'm curious about the nature and utility of things. Then the second thing is the temperament of the job, um, which is more sort of my personal um, uh, personal. Uh, values, I would guess. Uh, Jerome is most likely benevolent, 
giving of self to help others. I'm motivated to be organizationally active with others. Uh, I need change and variety. Then it talks about the aptitude for the job. Um, some of the specific skills, how I interact with people. Do I like to work with things? Do I like to work with data? My reasoning skills, my mathematic capacity, my language capacity. Um, and then worker traits. Um, so things like concerned with people. I like direct business contact interaction with others. Working for personal gain, per, uh, providing service, um, literary communication. I like to entertain. Um, so there's that. And then the very last um, is the types of vocational areas. So fine arts, business, rela uh, business relations, clerical skills, counseling, crafts, education. Um, and it gives a long list of uh, jobs. And then it, beside each one, it gives the, uh, a number. So the higher the number, the higher the aptitude. So for instance, for me, under major vocational areas, entertainment and promotion is a 97, whereas working in crafts is a six. Um, under fine arts, instruction is a 98, whereas artistic restoration, lots of detail work and precision and restoring things is a 12. And uh, so you can go through um, uh, this list and it's really, really, um, really, really valuable information. Now there is a fee uh, to take the, the um, assessment, uh, but if you're sort of in that place of not really knowing, um, I would say it's a, a really good investment. Um, Absolutely. And, and I would say the underlying theme, if you will, of, of all this is, is the old adage of know thyself. The more right. you know yourself, the better off you're going to be, not only in, in talking to people when you're out networking, but also just in, in your search. Because there's so mm -hmm. much information out on the Internet and job opportunities and all. Once you get a better feel, if you can self-select out of certain jobs that you see, like, nope, that's not a fit, um, or yes, this will be, that will help you uh, undoubtedly. Right. So, right. you know, and speaking of networking, I know that we're about out of time here, so I'd like to just kind of wrap up here in terms yeah. of talking okay. about um, our next session here. We really look forward to having you there. Our next session is really going to be around strategic networking. <clears throat> and Jerome, I know that you are a master networker, uh, as am I, and we, we really have gotten where we have in part because of our network and our networking skills and abilities. So what I want us to do in our next session is we're going to talk about the whole range of networking strategies from where do you go and how do you prepare before you go to network to while you're there, what strategies can you use to connect with people at the event and what can you do post-networking event, what are some follow-up strategies that you might have that would keep this ball rolling because it really comes down to so much of our, our career 
is contingent upon who we know and who knows us. So we want to make sure that that is always there. And we're also going to talk about the virtual networking, and I'm thinking LinkedIn more than anything else. But there's the virtual and then the in-person networking. And each one has its own dimensions to it that we want to be mindful of as we move forward through this process. But, you know, life is all about relationships. And so job path and career path strategies really are no different in that regard. So that's what we'll be talking about next time. And very quickly, I just want to add, uh, you, you said I'm a master networker. I have to tell you, I learned to be a networker because, as I mentioned with my scarcity temperament disorder, I am an introvert. So I don't gravitate toward networking events. They're not my favorite thing to do. But I knew that in order for me to be successful in my business, I had to learn to do it. And so uh, we will be talking a little bit about how to network if you're somebody who considers themselves shy. Because I know that when I'm talking to some of my clients and I say they have to network, I can just hear the, the air sucked out, get sucked out of the room where they're like, oh, no, that makes me nervous. Right. So right. relax. You can learn to do it. And there are strategies, especially if you're a shy person. So we look forward to having you join us on our next podcast. Um, again, if you want to reach out to us, um, you can use the email address uplevelcareers at gmail.com. Drop us a line. Let us know what you're thinking about the podcast. Give us suggestions of topics that you uh, would like to hear us speak about. Um, We would love to have your feedback, Um, especially as we're sort of just starting this to make sure we're giving you the kind of information that you really can use. And like I mentioned before, if we don't know the answer, we'll try to find somebody who does. If you want to reach me, you can find me at theresumeshopinc.com. Just remember, Inc. is spelled I-N-K. And so there's contact information or contact tools for, for me there. And Judson, you want to give them your, your information? Yes. I'm reachable at Judson at CareerPathStrategies.com. And you can visit my website as well, CareerPathStrategies.com. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to speaking with you soon um, on our next podcast. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye.